All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya Georgetown basketball podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Andrew Geiger, Mr. Casual Hoya. And for as big of news as we got last night, the other news is the blog lives on. We are back. The blog is saved, never in doubt. You know, I think the first time I put out there that if Ryan Matumbo doesn't come to Georgetown, then I'm shutting down the blog. It was a while ago. I mean, I never really thought that there was going to be any other outcome. And then yeah. all of these recruiting guys from their, you know, wearing underwear in their mother's basement started saying that Matumbo is going to Tennessee. I mean, do you honestly think that Ryan Matumbo, son of Dikembe, is going to play for fucking Rick Barnes at Tennessee? I mean, come on. Come on, people. Ryan Mutombo was always coming to Georgetown, and he can say whatever he wants about wavering this and wavering that, you know, thinking about the legacy and, oh, he didn't want to seem like he was coming to Georgetown because he didn't want it to be a foregone conclusion, and that's fine. But there was no chance he was going anywhere else but Georgetown. Um, and look, now we get to write about it for the foreseeable future. So yesterday... I'm getting ready to pack up from FedEx Field, another miserable performance by the football team. And I see Ryan Matumbo's tweeted out that he, at 824, he's a big Kobe guy, is going to announce where he's going. And I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, the fact that it came, you know, a day after John Thompson Jr.'s memorial, it just, mm-hmm. it seemed like if you're going to, if you're going to pick another school, which would have been, you know, the sons of famous players don't always go where their dad went. At Georgetown, you kind of, you know, it's a little bit more family thing, but, you know, it doesn't always happen, right? But I was like, wow, like, I can't imagine after yesterday, I'm sorry, well, th- this is my thought on Sunday, after Saturday, is he really going to be like, well, you know, my dad just spoke at John Thompson Jr.'s memorial and now I'm going to Tennessee. Like, that, that just, you know, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm sure that they weren't related, but it would have seemed like if he's going to go somewhere, which would have totally been his right. Um, it seemed like maybe you kind of like put a little bit of space in between the very emotional Saturday to the, you know, then the Sunday night to say, I'm going to pick the balls. And the balls thing was so weird. Uh, you know, you sort of become, and this is why I kind of got out of recruiting other than, you know, well, I guess if somebody wanted to hire me to cover it, I'm sure I would for the right price, but you kind of get into like the gossip girls type of situation where Tennessee right. came out of nowhere and then it was like, you know, people were speculating that like, you know, Ryan had personal friendships that were going to lead him there. And you're like, look, this is just ridiculous. Like I cannot possibly get wrapped up into this, but I think I texted you because a lot of these guys that do get paid to do this, I cannot confirm where they live or what they wear, but they were flipping their crystal balls to Tennessee. And I was like, well, this can't be good. Cause these guys usually don't miss. They miss. They miss a lot. They should, re- they should rename the crystal ball to the opaque ball because the crystal ball never becomes so crystal clear until like an hour before someone commits or thereafter and they shift their picks across. I mean, look, right. it, it, re- re- no one really knows anything about recruiting other than the kid being recruited and perhaps his handler, right? Like, other than that, or the coach or whatever, like, no one else knows anything about recruiting. So to assume, and most of these kids who, guys who follow recruiting, like on 24-7 or Rivals or any of these other sites, for the most part, 
they're kind of young kids, right? Like they're in college or they're just out of college. There's no way they know anything about recruiting. They're not like with the players themselves, the high school kids themselves. Some have carved out nice careers. You know, some are better than others. But yeah. in the case of Matumbo, logic dictated from the outset that he'd wind up at Georgetown. And I think to start, you know, picking other schools as being his destination, like the Tennessee thing, which made no sense. Um, it was just kind of silly in the end. Um, so anyway, I mean, that's, that's my take. I'm big picture. I'm certainly glad he's coming to Georgetown, not just because he's the Kenby son, because he's actually really good and he's going to help us. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, suddenly our, the class of 2021 is, is, is looking pretty strong. And interestingly, it looks like we may have more scholarships to give out, right? Yeah. And that's definitely something I want to talk about in a second. But just to go back, you know, God, I wish we could go back six months or seven months when it, whenever life was normal. But the way I looked at this class after what happened last year during the season, mm-hmm. You know, between the guys that left, the you know the big recruit locally that never sh- is going to show up, um, the season that they had, even though they tried really hard, you know, the injuries with the guys that even were still staying, it was it was just too much, and you kind of thought, wow, like, you know, the Patrick Ewing is the coach, kind of like that momentum is sort of you know, even though it's not that old in in college basketball life, it is kind of old, and you're thinking like, wow, like the only way that you can kind of piece together a really good 2021 class is you get Matumbo on board early who had been gone from like a, he's just Matumbo's kid to he's Ryan. And you figure if he locks in, okay, you get a, you get a a nice four star and then, you know, other recruits are going to play with him. And I would have never bet, which is why maybe betting is bad based on my Sunday yesterday. I can back that up that the class would be so good that it would sort of make Ryan want to come. And that's the situation that they're in between Ewing. Uh, I know Louis Orr has gotten a lot of credit for what's happened in the 2021 20, class. So I think they've just done a, a phenomenal job of making the class so good that Ryan would want to be a part of it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Again, I don't think there was ever any doubt that he was going to come. I think it certainly helps, <laughs> helps that um, – I think it certainly helps when you have – talented kids around him in the same class that they can, that he can develop with. Uh, I recall one of his quotes was, you know, we're, we're bringing back the big East or trust the process or whatever, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that indicates that he's certainly fully invested and that it looks like uh, the class of 21 is impressive to him. And it sounds like he was going to try to recruit some others along with him. Yeah. And as we know, you know, the saying is always, scholarship situation works itself out you know there's information for as nerdy as anybody wants to be with any sort of spreadsheet and you know just all the information that's available we don't know what Patrick Ewing knows you know we don't we don't really know um I don't know how much you want to speculate of what an open scholarship actually means for me I'll tell you what it means to me is is that and I know people don't like to hear it And there's no information to sway anyone this way. But I think like the one recruit that you maybe wouldn't feel completely great about is just Tyler Beard because he reclassified Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. kind of changes things. And I'm not trying to say that he's out. He's not said that, 
But when you look at who's on the roster and who's spoken for, the fact that they're still recruiting 2021 kids, you know, maybe that's not a full thing. And then the other way to speculate would be a speculation that you don't want to do is you look at who's signed up. And I know sometimes guys want to get, oh, well, you know, is so-and-so a walk-on or is he a scholarship player? Nothing that's been released by Georgetown indicates that, you know, someone like TJ Berger or um, Holloway is, you know, a walk-on or anything. Like, I think those guys are scholarship players. So that that's what kind of so, leads me to Tyler Beard. That, the fact that nothing has been released from Georgetown is meaningless. Because <laughs> you wouldn't get anything released from Georgetown anyway on that topic. I mean, when was the last time you ever heard from Georgetown regarding the scholarship status of, of a player? Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect to hear that regardless. We, we just never know if someone's a walk-on or has yeah. a scholarship. Like, literally, we, you never know. Um, right. I do agree with you, though, that Beard seems to be in the most tenuous position, obviously just because of what we do know, right? I mean, he right. committed and now, you know, is reclassing, you know, he's going to, where is he, where is he spending the year? Which school is it? That, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I'd I be think, surprised. I think, he's, I think he's at Hargrave. One of, one of those. I mean, the, the bottom line is I'd be surprised if he – ever put on a Hoya uniform just because I mean I had thought that the reason why he went to whatever school it was for a prep year was because of academics I don't know if that certainly turns around um and I think the Jordan Riley recruitment I mean don't they sort of play the same position so I and Riley might be just as good if not better so I think we're we're in a good spot regardless of whether Beard comes and if we can get a front court player now an impact front court player with that scholarship we might be better off yeah yeah i mean i guess it would be negligent for the staff not to always keep going after kids right that's sort of that's how you i mean yeah i mean recruiting Recruiting is 365, right? I mean, there's no reason to close the door on someone if you think there might be a chance they might come to the school. Recruiting over kids happens all the time at, you know, most top 25 programs. You know, kids transfer. Um, you know, unfortunately, short-term kids transfer for maybe the wrong reasons. But when you recruit over a kid because someone might be more talented than someone you've given a scholarship to, I don't see that as a bad thing. Um, I mean, it sucks for the kid who might be forced to transfer, but it shows you have strength as a program. Strength as a program and stick, you know, keeping with Ryan Matumbo who committed on Sunday on Instagram live, which I thought was good because generally when Georgetown hasn't had great luck when guys do it on TV. Um, so yeah. to keep, I mean, is, to, is that a thing anymore? Do, do kids still commit on TV as opposed to like TikTok? Yeah, I guess maybe I'm showing my age. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, but yeah, Perhaps. No, I agree with you. I mean, usually the the the, the spectacle um, commitments don't really work out. I think the last one I saw on TV, perhaps was it Cole Anthony? The one, yeah. Like when it was on Sports Center or something like that. Um, but yeah, that never works out well. And of course, we're still traumatized by the Nerlens Noel commitment. I don't think anyone will ever shake that. I was. Uh, I, yeah. I think that's when I was just like, you know what, forget this. You know, because he, he was at the March Madness event that they used to always have, you know, like when they made the tournament. He yep. was at that, you know, there was, you know, people were wooing him. And 
I'll never forget. Like I said, it's traumatized Fran Fraschilla. Like when he, like everyone's, you know, saying, "Oh, he's, you know, he's going to Georgetown, going to Georgetown," and then Fran Fraschilla tweeted it, and I was like, "Ben, oh my god!" Like they're gonna have like Winnington, Porter, and Noel. Like, <laughs> how is anyone gonna score on them next year? Yeah. And then he went to Kentucky, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I spent, and it, and it was I spent just, too much time on this. And it was just the way he did it too, which is pretty great, actually. I mean, if you're going to think about better commitment announcements, that has to be in the you know the top ten. The deal's been around with the school's logo shaved into the back of your head. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, I remember when he when he spun around and then to, to show off the the, the <laughs> Kentucky logo. I was like, what? What is that? Like squinting to see if I could see a G or like you know. <laughs> that was pretty good. I mean, credit to him. Um. But just so, just thinking about Matumbo's impact on the court, uh, I had Justin Young on, who was based in Atlanta until recently, or a recruiting guy. And, you know, it seems like he's a center. You know, I think when we did our, I think we did the last time you were on, we talked about who we're looking, or I think we went over the the athletic um, survey with, with Ben. And I think you put Cutis as your, the player that is like a breakout or like, you know, the star of next season, you know, something. So it is kind yeah. of interesting. Matumbo's the center. I don't really think I'm going to, we're going to see Cutis as a power forward. Right. So it'll be interesting. You know, this is obviously a, you know, a season away, but I think that that's going to be an interesting thing of we're two of your better players and ego FA showed, I thought, okay. Um, Malcolm Wilson, who didn't play last year is like, you know, on some NCAA like committee, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. They're going to go jumbo again. They're going to go four centers on the on the roster. I know a lot happens in that period of time, but it would be interesting if we think Cutis and Matumbo can ever share the court at the same time. I'm not, I'm not sure, yeah, but yeah. that's that's not my job. Yeah, and um, as exciting as this class is. You know, I still think we're pretty long away away from actually being good, right? I mean, this this year is certainly going to be a transition year. I mean, there are a lot of odd pieces to this year's roster. Yeah. Um, pandemic season. Who knows what's going to happen? Let's kind of just get through it. Let's get these get get the kids in. But I think you're looking at at least two years from now before these this class is even seasoned enough to make an impact. You know, I mean, and, and by then you've got Wahab as potentially a center. I mean, he might go to the league early. I don't even know if he's going to be on the team or how much longer he's going to be there. Um, but we'll see. It's, again, it's, it's just good to have talent again because a lot of talent left. And the reasons why that talent left, I know some people are saying, well, is there any reason to think that this class is going to stay when, the, you know, what's happened to Georgetown in the past? I do think it's different. I think that this is more – of a class that um, I don't know what the best way to put it is, but maybe they, they more they have more of like Ewing's values um, and Ewing's mindset on the floor uh, that he was able to put together rather than being forced to cobble together a roster when he first took the job. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point because now after coaching college kids, he coached in the NBA forever, as we know, but now after coaching college kids and probably even more importantly, having to deal with college kids, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm sort of alluding to a Kinjo McClung 
you know? Um, And I think the fact too, that this is not a class that's made up of, you know, Akinjo flipped from Yukon, you know, McClung flipped from Rutgers. Mm -hmm. So this is a class that is kids that wanted to go to Georgetown first, you know, and I think that probably matters. You know, like, and like you said, Ewing is figuring out like what he wants from a college player, which, you know, he didn't really know a couple years ago because he wasn't involved in the college game. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of reasons to be to be positive for for this class. Um, just personally, myself, I was kind of thinking like and I, I knew you'd find a way to get out of it if Ryan decided to go to Stanford or whatever. Um, but there's, there's what, no getting out of it. It, it was over. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to understand, it's been a long time. I mean, all good things must come to an end. If if Ryan Matumbo did not end up at Georgetown, we're done. I mean, you know, I, I finally am able to transition the site to 24-7 devotion and dedication to lunch documentation, which is frankly something I've always wanted to do. Okay. And we, we were, you know, we were done. We were moving away from Georgetown. But, alas, here we are. Well, that's good, because I think... I think I think the pod needs a chance to to grow into a place where there can be conversations about uh, bubble and you know postseason dreams rather than coming on every week during the season. I mean, aren't, and, you, aren't you aren't you sick and tired of talking about the bubble and shattered dreams and everything? Don't you wouldn't you rather talk about maybe what you had for lunch today? Maybe what you're aspiring to have for lunch some other day. Maybe something else that you saw on someone's plate that looked good. Yeah, you know what I've found out is that food just tastes so much better when someone else makes it. And well, well yeah, I mean, cooking for yourself just takes up way too much time. Right. And well, hello, we're living in the pandemic. I know that some people have chosen to not live in the pandemic, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of lunch from home which turns into a lot of laziness on my part. So yes, a lunch blog where someone brings me food and I, I rate it is what I would aspire. Um, Look, the making of it has not all, been that great. All, the, all of the, all of the options are on the table. If Matumbo had just con- committed to playing for Rick Barnes, unfortunately that wasn't the case. What I did find was funny, actually, like after Matumbo committed last night to Georgetown, I got a wave of text messages from people that I haven't heard about, you know, since, you know, pre pandemic and even before, saying congratulations the blog is saved um (laughs) which i thought was was really interesting um and look it's obviously great to hear from the georgetown community and uh i think we do have a good one on the site and no one likes to see it die um but at some point it will and i thought the matumbo the matumbo commitment was probably one of those seminal moments that i could tie shutting down the blog too. I'm not sure what the next one might be or when the next opportunity might be. Well, when I get the opportunity to ask him in January of 2022, <laughs> I, after getting to know him for a second, it's not going to be my first question, but you know, Hey, I don't know if you know about the site casual Hoya. Um, were you, were you aware that where you decided to go to school kind of, um, was the determining factor if this if this blog would continue i assume he's going to say no that he does not he's not aware of it but that will definitely be something to ask him yeah i mean your your assumption is wrong because obviously the answer is yes i don't know whether he'd admit it or not but you know that that's where we are 
Um, now, what are your thoughts, though, on who the next member of the class of 2021 might be? Well, I, I think you saw what Ryan said, right? And I, I think that's kind of one of the normal questions that gets asked, you know? And these recruits will always say, well, I'm going to try and bring all my friends. And, you know, that doesn't usually happen. Right. Um, it's great to say it, but his friends want to go through the same process that he just went through. Obviously, you know, not all of his friends have Hall of Fame fathers. But, uh, you know, it sounds like he wants to bring on Muhammad. Yeah, and I... I... I've always been surprised at Georgetown's staying power with that, in that recruitment. Um, it seems like whenever the lists get called, Georgetown's still there. It seems like he legitimately might actually want to play for his hometown team. I don't know if he's D.C. or he's reasonably local. Um, I, maybe we do have a chance. I, I think you're right that often you see kids, whenever they recruit to school, whenever they commit to school, they always say, oh, I'm bringing X, Y, and Z with me. And it rarely ever happens. There's this two schools does. where it happens, mm-hmm. Kentucky and Duke, right? That's kind of like where that's kind of where it happens, I guess. Um, but this has a little bit of a different feel to it, and it does seem like it's kind of late in the game. Um, but who knows? I mean, I, obviously that that would be very exciting. Uh, well, I think getting a five star. I think the last five star is Isaac Copeland still. That's going to be a big deal. And I think a lot, I mean, I guess Omir, I think, was a five-star. But again, that's another transfer guy. Um, I, I think the thought was that Ewing's NBA pedigree and, you know, he's back at his school. I think that there there was thought, particularly from a center. And, you know, maybe if the summer had been normal, maybe Ryan Matumbo would have vaulted up. I know he went from kind of a mid-major recruit to being a legitimate four-star. You, you don't know, but I think it would be a big deal to grab someone like that just to be like, hey, look, you know, I know Ryan said, you know, we're looking to bring the Big East back or he said something like that. Um, but I think to... if, 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 if Beard stays in the picture and that scholarship comes from somewhere else and they land Muhammad, you're potentially looking at like a Fab Five situation. Right. With like, I mean, not obviously they're not all five stars. But a Muhammad, Matumbo, Billingsley, Riley, and Beard class, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, that, that's, that's the kind of class where you can say, wow, like, you know, in two years, you're, you're talking about making a run in the dance. Yeah, if everyone kind of plays a little bit, it, it, you know, basically you're, in that scenario, you need everyone to kind of be a little bit better than what their ranking is. which. Right. Is you know that's why we have a podcast. That's why that's what you know. This is these are what this, the things that you talk about. But you would have to have everyone kind of trend that way. And I know over the summer, I know that uh, Jordan Riley's dad felt like he was a five star, right? Yeah. Um, felt like he if he had the summer, if he had if he had had the summer yeah, circuit. I was just gonna say Riley particularly seems to be like underrated on the stars mm-hmm. front. Yeah, you know, like from what he looks like, he can jump out of the gym, um, and is like a legitimate four star from what I what I've seen on tape. Obviously, those mixtapes look fantastic for anybody, but he looks pretty legit. Mine doesn't look good. 
Fair enough. Um, no, you should you should see your you should see your podcasting tape though. It looks pretty good. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I I think I think that if they did bring in Muhammad, you know, you get the five star, you get the local kid connection. That would be a big deal. Um, and also maybe even a bigger deal. You bring in someone like that that's kind of on track to maybe be a one and done. Georgetown hasn't had one of those or a two and done, or just a kid that's going to go to the NBA. Cause that's one of the things Chris and Austin were talking about on their podcast. They talked about it when they came on here is, you know, you got to put someone, you have to show that you can put someone into the pros on that level, particularly a local kid. And then the locals will start coming again. It's like the chicken or the egg, right? Like how do you sort of get there? Dude, I just want the brand back. You know, yeah. like, I, I, again, I, with with John Thompson's passing and everyone coming out of the, the woodwork and, and, you know, seeing all these old clips of Georgetown in the, the 80s and 90s, it just made me really yearn for what we were as a program. Um, and it's kind of sad where we are now, just from like a, a brand perspective. Um, we just need to start. I thought, you know, we had maybe gotten back to where we needed to be as far as that went back in 2007, 2008, then the slew of horrible postseason defeats kind of beat us down with a hammer. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just want to get back to where we were. I want like another starter jacket, you know? You know, I, I tried to find one on eBay not too long ago. There was a couple and it was just like, guys, we need, we need to lower the prices on this. So I would love yeah. a starter jacket. I had, I had the I had the windbreaker because you know things we weren't we weren't exactly um, a starter jacket family I don't think twelve uh, year old me was able to convince my mom to get me one but yeah. I kind of got like the compromise yeah I mean it's it's more of what the like you not you per se in a starter I know. jacket <laughs> I know you I know, know. You, you walk down the street in a starter jacket maybe that causes people not to like the program. I'm just talking about like, you know, if we can get back to a starter jacket brand where people can walk down the street with pride, um, that's, that's kind of where I want to be. And however, it, whatever it takes to get there. I mean, I think Ewing is probably the, the symbolic coach to do that. Um, and obviously assembling the talent is step one. Assembling it, keeping it, winning with yeah. it, playing yeah. playing defense with it. So, like we said, there was this weekend was a big deal. There was the virtual memorial for John Thompson Jr. And obviously, everything has been so weird as far as COVID and, you know, just restrictions. And, you know, it would have been he was obviously sick before COVID and he had had health problems the last last year or so. His his um, presence was less and less at Georgetown home games. But for me getting onto that watching that memorial I, I i sort of even though he died over a month ago i kind of got really sad again because it's just when you don't sort of see people and you're not around mm-hmm. them when they yeah. you know it's you don't it, it it wasn't like you were sort of missing him not that i have a personal relationship with him but you know what i mean and it was like mm-hmm. this is this is a real thing and then about 2 minutes into it president barack obama is speaking about this guy. And you're like, you know, the former basketball coach at Georgetown didn't pass away. Like a cultural icon passed away. 
right? Yeah. And when I was, when I was at Georgetown, um, he was, so I was class of 99. So he was the coach for my full freshman year. That was Iverson's sophomore year. And then I guess he left the school my sophomore year, I guess it was. Um, so I, I sort of transitioned from the Thompson to the Escherich era, but he was always a larger than life presence on campus just because he was the basketball team head coach, you know, um, yeah. who he was, but we didn't really understand uh, as, as a kid, um, as a college student rather, how much of a cultural icon he was and how much he really meant to the game itself, you know, in every facet. And I think his passing really um, shed light on that. And you're right to see Obama come on. Um, that just shows you, you know, how, how much his life and everything that he did meant for not just the sport, but really almost for humanity. You know, that's kind of trite as that might sound to say like, oh, we impacted humanity. He really did. Um, no, he did. I, I, I think, I, I mean, I think you can really say that if, but for John Thompson, I mean, the game, um, the culture of college hoops, all of it probably looks a lot different today. Yeah. And, you know, if you're someone like me or you, that's, and following the program forever it's not like you're really going to learn like new facts or new information but to like i knew that john thompson had been on nightline with ted koppel and they talked about there was i i didn't realize exactly what it was i thought it was more just completely about rayful edmund and him you know sticking up for his players and telling this guy to scram even though he was you know a, a local drug kingpin but so that's 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 1989, and it was a town hall. You saw you saw the former mayor, mayor and Barry. Um, there was all kinds of people there. It was in some church in Anacostia, and you're watching that, and you're just like, you know, John Thompson could have been mayor of the city probably if he wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. And that came. So you know, he he got to Georgetown in '72. The '80s Georgetown was the program of the '80s where they're. They won more championships than anyone. They didn't, but, you know, they were right there in three of them. They only won the one. But, like, he had the program, the IT program. Like, you talk about the Star Jacket. He had the program of the 80s. And, you know, he goes to the Olympics. They have some injuries. You know, it didn't work out. They got the bronze. That was the last time the college kids went over. And so he's dealing with that. He's dealing with sort of being in charge of the city a little bit, like dealing with Rafael Edmund and then the whole, you know, Prop 42 thing. So I could see how the 90s weren't a repeat of the 80s because this guy's dealing with so much stuff. And when you hear about, oh, you know, so-and-so wanted to go to Georgetown, but John Thompson didn't recruit him hard enough. He was dealing with other kinds of stuff that's actually real rather than like begging 16-year-olds to come play for him. So I can see how it happened. I mean, obviously there was a resurgence with Iverson and Othella Harrington was a McDonald's All-American. It wasn't like he was getting bad players. They're still making the tournament, but they weren't the force that they were in the eighties. And I think it's easy to see how that could have happened. Like that's a lot that, you know, it's not like, it's not like coach K down in Durham was the coach of Duke and also has to sort of like be in charge of all these like, you know, social issues. Right. Or like people are looking to him as, Hey, how are we going to fix this? Like, what are we going to do? Right. Like, like that's a pretty big burden. I know J- John Thompson's a big man, right? Six ten, you know he's intimidating force. But to, that's at least what I got out of watching that. Being like, you know, man, like I, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did because he had to wear so much, right? 
It's hard to disagree with, with anything that you said. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to you know re reduce it to that, but yeah. um, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I mean it's it's um, yeah. What, what can you say? Yeah. So you know, I thought the memorial was done well. You heard from a lot of the you know you heard from people you thought. Um, I thought I thought Phil Knight um, kind of gave us a little bit into that relationship that you know we knew he was on the board of Nike, but you don't really know how it happened. And he kind of told a couple cool stories and. Um, you know, John had retired from the board uh, earlier this year, which he had been on for a long time. And, um, you know, obviously you heard from the former players that you would assume all that stuff. Um, I thought it was pretty well done. It would have been interesting if, you know, we weren't living these COVID times, like what that, what that, you know, in-person memorial would have been like and all mm -hmm. that stuff. I thought, I thought John's daughter, Tiffany had a really good, I think it was a letter. I apologize if it, if it was a poem, but she read something basically about having to share her dad. And, you know, you, you know, you don't think about those things, you know, obviously, you know, JT three and Ronnie got into coaching. So they became kind of public, but you know, Tiffany's not really been a public figure. So she kind of spoke about having to share her dad with, you know, the world basically. Right. And I thought that was, that, that was really well done. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate time and it's an unfortunate passing for, just you know everybody but i thought that the virtual memorial was you know was done pretty well and and you're kind of bearing the lead here but you made the slideshow i did <laughs> i mean why don't you i mean that you must have been watching that and be like whoa i mean that's pretty cool why don't you why don't you talk about what that kind of meant to you i guess or <laughs> i was surprised you were to see yourself on there yeah well you know they just ended up um so it's definitely it's it's a picture of the opening of the Thompson Center, and I wrote something for the Associated Press on it. And you could see uh, Gene from the Post and myself mm -hmm. were, you know, trying to get quotes from from Big John. And yeah, I'm definitely not making this about myself, but um, it was just like, you know, some kid that grew up huge Georgetown fan, really for no reason. No one in my family went there. I just happened to live locally. Um, to see myself on there was just like, oh, that's that's uh, you know, awesome. I, I mean, you know, obviously it's a very small point point of that but it was for me like holy crap there i am yeah, trying no, to look, get him to say something yeah i think that's pretty cool i mean obviously if you can get your hands on that still picture that made it in i mean that that's probably something you might want to keep in the old attic you know oh believe me i have i have already have already reached out <laughs> oh nice there you go um let's see any other news that we just saw from uh our buddy John Rothstein, that it sounds like Georgetown and Syracuse will be a go this season uh, in January, um, which is interesting because that, I guess, means it will be played at some point while the Hoyas are in the midst of their conference season. Um, which actually, you know what, I think those games are actually, so assuming the sports calendar is normal, I, I think that when you step out, like, you know, even when St. John's was bad for years, they always stepped out and played Duke, like, in January or February. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that makes that game bigger than if it gets buried on, like, an NFL Saturday or, you know, or, or a college football Saturday or NFL Sunday. I think it's, you know, just like when Georgetown played Duke, right? Like, those games mm -hmm. are a big deal. It's like, oh, you're playing, uh, I think they played South Florida the one year. They barely beat the Bulls. And you're just like, oh, great. They got Duke coming up. And then just beat Duke. It's like a huge shot in the arm. So I think that's yeah, like actually when we cool. Played, 
when, when we played Michigan State on Super Bowl Sunday, whenever yeah. that was, I mean, that yeah. had MSG. That, that was really fun. So I think that's a good thing, and maybe there'll be more enthusiasm about the game being played during the conference schedule so it actually gets played at that time moving forward. Because I do agree with you that it kind of gets lost in November or early December. Yeah, and I think I think that's also was the problem playing Maryland. Like when they've played Maryland a couple times, the the home crowds haven't been what people expect. I mean, it was still a good crowd, like thirteen thousand. But you're thinking, is it going to sell out? Well, no, it was like seven short. Uh, I think playing, I I'd be in favor of always stepping out. I know they did it against UConn a couple times, but it never really mm-hmm. felt like they were stepping out of conference because you know it's UConn, right? Like they, you know. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about Syracuse, but I just feel like that's just a much bigger thing. Um, yeah. So I'm uh, in favor of that. I took to Twitter to announce our recording this podcast. We got a few questions. It looks like I'm looking um, on balance. This is from at talk and be practice on balance. And given everything we know right now, who among realistic options wants to sex, who wants to sex Matumbo? Um, I believe that's everybody. And I'm assuming that everybody is a realistic option here. I think everyone at this point wants the sex Matembo. Agreed? It's hard to disagree with that position. <laughs> um, from at RCDC20, how is it possible for Georgetown to be out of 2021 scholarships but actively recruiting two more? Um, you know, as kind of we mentioned, I think scholarships always have a way of working out. Um, I think between either Beard never showing up or Beard showing up, some people actually being walk-ons and scholarships or whatever. I mean, do we even know really if Ryan Matumbo needs a scholarship? I, I don't know. Oh um, boy. I feel like we've had this conversation with Trey Morning. We did. We, 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 we had it with Morning. And, and by the way, on that, I think it would be kind of a cool picture if Georgetown were to do it. You know, we always see that picture of um, Ewing, Morning, and Matumbo in those all-star game jerseys. Yeah. Um, if they wanted to recreate that somehow with the juniors, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but hey, I'm just an idea. I'm just an idea of the guy who put Kante on the court. What do I know? Um, next, uh, let's see. Uh, to from at my guy at Manville Hoya, Sopranos, The Wire, or Breaking Bad. Um, this is interesting. I, for me, The Wire will always be a kind of a pantheon show. Of the three, I most recently watched Breaking Bad, and that came. Uh, a recent binge, like probably six months ago. I really enjoyed that series. But for me, The Wire stands above these three with, I guess, The Sopranos 2 and Breaking Bad 3, though I did really enjoy Breaking Bad. You? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with, I guess we were on the same sort of Netflix binge schedule. Breaking Bad is most recent in my mind. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go that. But this is a really difficult question. And I don't know if I was ready for this. Yeah. Um, from at Hoya Mentality, is Saxa back? Bobby? Is Saxa back? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're, we're, we're bringing Saxa back. That's our job. I mean, and now that Matumbo is in the fold, yes, I think Saxa is back. At least it's somewhat back. I think when the winds start coming, then Saxa will definitely be back. But we're getting there. Can can I just say that I know it's it goes against their actual performance in the building, but this idea that and I know we've talked about it, you know, months ago, 
that they might be playing games at McDonough, I think would be a positive. Now, before anyone tells me that they lost to Harvard, I was at all those games. I I know. I know they have a lot. I know they have a lot of losses there. Okay. Like I'm very familiar. Arkansas State, ODU, blah, blah, blah. I've also been inside Capital One Arena when there's not many people there. And I think it would be better to play at McDonough. I think that that could actually be a positive. Uh, I mean, yes, especially if you're talking about a pandemic season where no one's going to be allowed into the arena to begin with. So you're really talking about going from like an almost non-existent home court advantage to a zero home court advantage. I think that playing in McDonough at least gives you the semblance of an on-campus advantage, I guess. I mean, I guess these are, if there's no fans, are these all neutral court games, so to speak? I mean, it's a weird thing. Well, I think I mean, just. I mean, if you're playing in an empty gym, just like the bubble, you know, for the NBA, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I guess they're all neutral court. How does that work? Well, I mean, as someone like you that credit, was. You get, you get credit for a, a road win when you go on the road, but there are no fans. Well, I guess here's something even even weirder. I worked a bunch of baseball games, and there were situations where you'd have a doubleheader, and because the game got canceled for COVID, you know, the Nats were the away team at Nats Park. Right. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Right, but like for NCAA tournament purposes, where normally you give give a team a lot of credit for like a road win. (laughs) <laughs> like okay is it <laughs> I mean, I, I mean I'll, I'll take it if we can win a road game in front of no fans but it just seems like it's an easier thing to do now yeah those are all just sort of you know it's sort of like semantics right it's like oh well Georgetown yeah. finally won a game at Villanova and you're like well you know yes you know you know, you know what I mean like I yeah. think that when like when you look back, that's going to be listed, so it kind of looks normal. Like you're not just going to see N for every game for neutral, but right. it you know this this will be the year if games happen that you can maybe snap some streaks and be like, hey, look, right. we won well, at <laughs> yeah. Look, we when you were talking about our resume, and well, I guess it won't be March, but whatever it might be, or maybe it will be March. But like you know, oh yeah, we we went to Nova and we beat Nova at Nova. Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, no, we didn't. I mean. Whatever. I guess we'll, we'll cross these bridges when we need to. But look, exciting stuff. We've got basketball next month, right? It looks like if the season the season's going to go, it's going to go right around Thanksgiving or a week after. Which and, is uh, when it which is when it used to start. If you're old like me, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I am older like you, <laughs> and so um, we are uh, suddenly right around the corner from college basketball. Matumbo's in the fold. Things are looking up. COVID's over, right? One of those things might not be accurate, but (laughs) a lot of them are. (laughs) Right. Um, So here here we are. And uh, I I think this is is exciting. I think this is an exciting moment for Georgetown. I think we finally have Matumbo in the fold. The blog is back. Basketball's on the horizon. Uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. Serious comment. I, I think that Georgetown and Ewing and the staff have recovered from everything that happened last year, including, you know, the postseason, you know, McClung leaving, all that kind of stuff, about as well as you could have, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think that this 2021 class was a really big deal. Whether or not you want to believe that Ewing will ever be in jeopardy of, you know, maybe not losing his job, but maybe losing the support of the diehards that are still there. I thought that this yeah. class was really important. And I know that might sound silly when you're talking about high school kids, you have to, you know, convince to come to your school, but that's what the job is. And totally, I, I totally agree with that. I think if Matumbo had gone somewhere else, which again was never going to happen, but had he gone somewhere else that we, Ewing would have had to answer a lot of questions. Um, you know, assuming he couldn't cobble together a strong class in 2021, um, about whether or not he really deserved to be the coach moving forward after what will likely be another year of mediocrity. This, but this gives us certainly hope and probably gives him some more time. Two of the best recruiting classes in the Big East right now for 2021 are Georgetown and DePaul. It's a brave new world, man. That Wednesday night doubleheader might start having some new participants. dare to dream (sighs) all right well thanks everyone for listening you can find the award-winning kente corner on all the places you get your podcast apple spotify google subscribe rate us tweet at andrew at casual hoya andrew i'm glad to have you back on the pod i feel like i've never left always happy to be a part of it um and look uh, the next time we we podcast we're actually going to be talking about i mean we're going to be talking about games we're going to be previewing games there'll be a schedule and we're going to actually have basketball to talk about i hope to come with the podcast before then but yes we will soon be talking about that <laughs> fair enough all right andrew Hoya Saxa. Dax is back mm-hmm.